Hi, I'm Jamie Winkup. Hi, I'm Dick Johnson. Hi, I'm Garth Tander. You're listening to the V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. HRT, take their driver back. was uh, originally placed at Tony Dabota Racing and now uh, back with... GT. And Dale Woods disappointed with the Dunlop Series driving performance after Townsville. I think it's uh, it makes the category what should be arguably maybe the second most professional category in Australia. It makes just mockery of us and makes us look pretty stupid. So. That's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Hi, this is Will Davison from the Pepsi Max crew for Performance Racing, and you are listening to the V8 Insiders. HRT has announced their enduro driver pairings with Greg Murphy confirmed alongside James Courtney, while Nick Perkap has been recalled from Tony D'Alberto Racing and will drive with Garth Tander once again in Sandown, Bathurst and now the Gold Coast. It was just a matter of that I'm contracted to walk into racing in HRT and have been since 2007 and um, they wanted to put me in a red car and that's, that's what happened and the whole um, TDR crew has been really supportive of it and you know we're still trying to help them find a driver and it's um they're part of the team obviously they're the, basically run as a fourth car under walker Show racing so um yeah it's uh for me it's a good opportunity but you know gotta still thank tony and everyone what, for what they did um at towns were giving me laps in the car and all that because it's really only just doing just come about in the last few days you can hear more from nick Kapurkat on this week's munro's white flag lap Dale Wood has said he's thrilled to be leading the Dunlop Championship after a tough lead-in to the weekend at Townsville. It's a good thing I went to that round with uh, with lack of sleep because we just had a newborn baby, which had our first baby, so I didn't know what I was going to achieve up there, but I sort of thought if I could come away with the championship lead, I'd be pretty happy. It's uh, not, not something I've, I've had before, and... Uh, so we take that goal now, I've just got to maintain it, that's all. Erebus have released a press statement saying that they are planning to move into 2014 with a three-car operation and their current driver lineup as the preferred drivers for the team. The statement has caused massive speculation in media circles as drivers and wreck ownership silly season has commenced, with the Jungle Drums beating potential changes to ownerships of wrecks held by Lucas Dumbrell, Paul Morris, Techno Autosports, Charlie Swerkholt and James Rosenberg, with Walkinshaw Performance drivers Garth Tander, Russell Ingle and James Courtney all being part of silly season discussions, while the future of Todd Kelly in the main game is also being talked about. Finally, V8 Supercars have announced that they have raised the minimum weight 10 kilos of the new generation car with the move designed to provide cost savings to teams struggling to get their cars down to the previous 1,400 kilo minimum weight. 
In the latest edition of V8X Magazine, on sale now, you can check out the VF Domination. Also, find out more about Scott McLaughlin and meet the Norton Hornet drivers of James Moffat and Michael Caruso. It's all out in V8X Magazine, in stores now at all good news agents, and don't forget you can get it online as well for Android and, of course, the Apple iPod edition. On this week's roundtable, Adrian Mussolino and Peter Norton look at the VF domination, weight changes and the Dunlop Series soft tyre race. But that's the news on the V8 Insiders brought to you by Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Check out the entire range today at www.nobrac.com.au. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Craig Lance. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us, the editor-in-chief of V8X magazine, Adrian Mussolino. Good evening, Adrian. I'm doing very well, as I'm sure is Peter Norton from Inside Motorsport. Good evening, Peter. G'day, Craig. G'day, Adrian. And uh, hey. an interesting time to think about what's going on in uh, V8 world because one thing that's becoming apparent as the VF Commodore is finally released in Australia for the road-going model, and as you'll hear in the white flag lap, uh, Nick Perkat talking about some of the test days he's doing with HSV along with Cam McConville... It's certainly a dominant, dominant race car on the track. And, Adrian, I know it's a feature of uh, the latest edition of V8X magazine. Yeah, it's actually the cover story that we decided would be timely given the release of the VS of the year. And it has really been the dominant force. I mean, obviously, the factor that you have to consider is the, the number of Fords on the grid and the fact that Erebus and Nissan aren't in a race-winning position as yet. But it still comes straight out of the box and dominated Ipsil and it sort of continues going and, and the key thing there is that it's been a winning race car for a number of teams and a number of drivers and, and that's always a sign of a good, strong, developed car. Peter, it's tough when they do have the bulk of the field but those numbers are being chipped away and as more manufacturers come in that's where they're really taking the uh, cars from. But... It's just across the board. Everyone who's building a VF has found a way to get it to the front of the field. Um, yes, I, I suppose that um, the last race sort of completed the picture there with HRT finally returning to the, the winner's uh, circle or the, or the top step of the, step of the podium at least. Um, yeah, they were the odd ones out that couldn't find a way to get the, the VF uh, to really work for them. Uh, but, yeah, they've completed the, the set, so to speak. Um, and I think it's partly to do with you know, stability and uh, having the, the uh, consistency of resources that they were able to uh, you know, convert what they knew um, in 
many respects from the old car to the uh, the car of the future, although it was you know, quite a bit different. Um, the other teams, yeah, the car of the future was supposed to be resetting the base and everyone would work from that. Um, of course, Nissan and uh, uh, Erebus, they had a very much a clean sheet of paper and huge learning curves to uh, overcome. Uh, so they're going to take a little bit longer. Um, yeah, Ford Performance Racing, uh, they should have been uh, winning races earlier than they have. Uh, so, yeah, there is some magic in that Commodore, unfortunately, for the other fans. Mm. And for a team that has struggled somewhat this year, they've found form and they've got Murphy and now Nick Perkett joining them in their lineup, Adrian, which gives them a lot of stability. And, and whilst you get a lot of experience with Murphy, you get raw speed out of Perkett. It's a very interesting decision, especially considering Percat was all signed and ready to go with Tony D'Alberto. So there's been, you know, obviously some politics going on back there and I think a, a bit of a change of heart from HRT regarding Percat. And he definitely has a point to prove after last season where he put it in the wall and, and did Tanda's campaign. And, you know, they're, they're a good fit for each other, as we saw in 2011, same height, um, very similar driving styles. And as for Murphy, I mean, you know, he's the number one draft pick in terms of co-drivers, and I think Courtney's on a very good wicket there, and that that's probably one of the strongest, you know, two-team combinations come Bathurst. I think Murphy's experience is just second to none. Mm. Well, when we talk about another VF team, we have to think of Red Bull Racing Australia. And speculation has always been there that Triple Eight might become four cars. But it's interesting that the speculation's ramped up right when they have probably the most disappointing finish and disappointing race weekend, Adrian, since they were a better electrical car. Yeah, it's very odd, especially considering Roland Dane has been so against expansion for some time now and has always said he didn't want to disrupt what they had with Jamie and Craig across that two-car team and they they are in effect they do have six cars on the grid when you factor in the customer teams at Lucas Dumbrell and Techno Autosports but to develop them in-house and expand that would be a big risk as we've seen with Ford Performance Racing it's very difficult to get results across the four entries so it's a big risk and it's interesting to sort of dig and see what's motivating that um, whether it's sponsor related or whether licenses have come up at this point in time and are readily available um, but we'll have to wait and see how it pans out mm. Peter, your thoughts on a, a four car, triple eight attack? Um, as you've already covered, they're, they're effectively a six car team when they're back in the factory anyway uh, it's really the, the loss of focus on just two cars when it comes to a race weekend is the, the key distraction for them. Um, yeah, they've got the resources to uh, manufacture the cars. Um, I can see the pros and the cons of doing it. Um, you know, they are the magnet for the, the big sponsors uh, and when a, a car is run by one of the customer teams, uh, I guess it just doesn't have that same attraction uh, to the big corporates. So I can understand what's pulling them towards becoming the four-car team. Uh, just one thing, though, on our previous topic about uh, Nick Perkat uh, jumping in next to Garth Tander for the endurance races, how much of that is linked to Ryan Briscoe breaking his wrist uh, in Toronto on the weekend? 
It certainly has come off the back of that. And whilst they hadn't announced Briscoe as being the co-driver there, it was expected, wasn't it, Adrian? Yeah, and we've got to remember as well that um, Briscoe is reportedly in contention as well for the drive alongside Russell Engel, which is still available. So there's still some room to manoeuvre there. Remembering as well, of course, that Dalberto now needs a replacement for Percat. So essentially within that Walkinshaw four-car team, there's two drivers still to be found. So um, that could have been a factor. Um, the talk at the last event that was that they hadn't signed anyone as yet, so they were still on the market. And, you know, clearly now we see that this was a, you know, a case of manoeuvring Percat back into the system and... We'll have to wait and see who the two other drivers are. Mm. Of course, uh, we do need to talk about Erebus Motorsport because Christian Clean drove for Erebus in the first GT race of the year and it was thought that he might be getting a drive in that team, but Clean's had links back to HRT and perhaps Clean and Dalberto could be a good mix because, uh, once again, same sort of build and uh, the team could do with a reasonably experienced driver who's not at top dollar. Yeah, that's a good point, and that's, uh, it's interesting because we all thought Clean was bound for Erebus, but I think what happened there was when it, Steve Johnson came into the picture and made it clear that he was ready to drive for someone other than the family team, and that was an opportunity too good to be missed considering they needed someone with his type of experience next to narrow angle. So uh, very interesting to see who who gets this Alberto seat. Uh, you know, there's a few names being mentioned. Oliver Gavin is one who drove with the team at the Gold Coast event. So there's some strong names out there. You know, Matt Halliday is another who doesn't have the seat and has been around at Bathurst for a while. So there are some options, definitely. Mm, well, we need to take a break here on the V8 Insiders. Plenty more when we return. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Hi, I'm Alexandre Prema from the Fujitsu JRM team, and you are listening to the V8 Insider. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Craig Ravel joined by Peter Norton and Adrian Mussolino, editor-in-chief of V8X magazine, as I mentioned. And, of course, uh, Adrian, V8X about to come out on the shelves. We talked about the VF domination, but there's a lot more in there. Great story for about uh, James Moffat and, of course, Michael Caruso, the uh, two Norton Hornets, as they were known at the last race meeting. Yeah, it's an interesting couple, that one, both who have sort of been on, on the rise for a few years now and have found themselves in factory seats at the same time and um, come from very different racing backgrounds and um, so they've been hard to separate all season. It seems like any time you see a Norton car you know, on track, the other one's right behind. So it's one of the most fascinating teammate battles. Um, so it's interesting to get them to sit together and see what they come up with. Mm, of course, Peter, when we talk about teams that have made some interesting statements over the year, 
None more so interesting than the Erebus press release on Friday when they were talking about they are planning to stay as a three-car team and they want to keep their current driver line-up into 2014. Yes, Craig, it was a very funny press release, that one. Um, it didn't actually say that um, there were signed contracts or commitments from the other side, but it did make a very clear public statement that they were keen to continue with the current sponsors, current drivers and uh, all of that. So um, it was an odd one because it was a really what to say when you don't have anything to say, anything concrete that is. Uh, but I guess it was making very clear to those other parties that um, the door is very much open and you're most welcome to stay. In fact, we'd love you to stay. Um, as a contract negotiator, um, you'd probably advise people against actually showing your hand so clearly, so publicly as that. But um, yeah, maybe it's what was needed there to, uh, to stomp on various rumours and other things that were circulating that may have interfered with those negotiations. Adrian, your take on that release? Yeah, I just find it very odd because when you release something like that, you only add fuel to the fire and, you know, teams can never stop public um, talk and paddock chatter and rumours and those sorts of things. But when you release a statement to counter that, it just sort of fuels that argument even more. So very strange, particularly at a time when, you know, this is when contracts and license movements and all that is being seriously discussed and considered and, um, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire and there's definitely movement on that front. So it'll be very interesting to see how the team, you know, attempts to hold on to these drivers and licences. Um, you know, Tim Slade is hot property at the minute and there are a number of factory seats that could be available. So they may, may find it difficult to keep a hold of him. Um, it also depends on where the results go at the sort of second half of the season. It is always difficult, isn't it? Because I didn't know whether to read it as a warning to others to keep your hands off or whether it was just uh, we're sick of these questions and we're just going to tell you where we stand. I, I really don't know what the communication and who the communication was directed to. And I think, Peter, that's always the difficulty. If the communication of who you're communicating to isn't clear, then that murkies the water even more so. Oh, I think you're spot on. And I think the uh, the key in this whole jigsaw puzzle, um, it's not so much that Erebus don't want these people to stay. It's whether the sponsors, drivers or whoever, um, whether they want to stay. Um, so it's not really of Erebus's uh, making other than perhaps offering... You know, more resources, more money, uh, or in case of the sponsor, lowering the, the price tag. Uh, you know, that, that's the kind of stuff that may provide you know, the, the counterpoint in the discussions. But, yeah, it was an odd press release. Um, if if a, a driver doesn't want to stay you know, for various reasons, then they'll go. The press release won't actually help uh, convince them one way or another. Mm. Moving on. We're going to see now that chasing those last few grams no longer required. The minimum weight of the race car in the new generation car going up, Adrian. And Is it rules on the run? Is it a cost-saving measure? Or, you know, where do we really read this change? Uh, it's a bit of both. Um, definitely cost-cutting involved because the temptation from teams was to find, you know, loopholes in the rule book to sort of get under that weight and 
do all they can and that's never a good thing and that encourages, you know, the triple eights of the world to have the budget to go out there and see where they can spend it. Um, you know, it is also rules on the run. This was always going to be the case with Car of the Future, that there was this sort of balancing act and sort of fixing things as they went and as the season progressed. And I think you'll find there won't be too many disagreements over this one. It, it makes sense. And um, it, it apparently will suit the four teams with the Falcon, but whether there's an advantage there, you know, a big one that translates on track, it remains to be seen. And the other question, Peter, is why not make changes partway through the year? For years we saw people lock in rules and have to live with rules for the entire season where it was just it became farcical. Why not let the people make decisions, make the change as we're going through the season? I think this reflects that uh, people are waking up to the fact that, that business is about entertainment. It's not necessarily the purity of the sport. It's about entertainment. Uh, we, we all know that, uh, you know, unfortunately, if a certain driver is winning all of the time, the fans switch off. Um, you know, it's a bit of an insult to the, uh, the fine engineering and the fine driving of the teams involved that get reach that level of excellence, but it's entertainment. So I think rules on the fly is actually a good thing. Um, if we can keep the field competitive... If we can give a bit of a a leg up in a measured way to some of the new manufacturers, I think that is what we need right now. Um, We we want to introduce additional manufacturers. We want good diversity there to create new interest, uh, particularly because Ford is phasing its way out. Um, It's important that these other brands taste some success to build their fan bases and hopefully to, to create some drama, some excitement at the front. Uh, I think this is jolly good. Um, it's not quite uh, success ballast, which really is uh, you know, rules on the fly. If you have a good weekend, then you can expect to struggle next weekend. Um, but, yeah, I think that this is on the, on the right kind of uh, right track to make sure that uh, it's as interesting as possible. Mm, it's, it, it, one series that if uh, we can take a, a bit of a diversion here, one series that I absolutely love is, of course, IndyCar. Anyone that knows me knows I've loved it for a long, long time. And and it's interesting to see if we go back to our discussion we had with uh, uh, Tony Whitlock and co. last week about the formats and how you can just never keep up with what formats what. And it's interesting to see IndyCar are now doing this. You, you pretty much get to an IndyCar race and you don't know whether you're watching it on Saturday, Sunday, whether they're going to have one long, long race, a couple of short ones and... Adrian, just your thoughts on now we're seeing IndyCar sort of mirroring what Fiat Supercars are doing. Yeah, well, the race format they had in Toronto over the weekend was essentially what Fiat Supercars has had for the last few years where you have a main race on the Saturday and a main race on the Sunday. And, um, you know, I think they are in a similar position where they're finding it difficult to break through to the mainstream you know, American audience and try and sort of stamp their authority there. They obviously have a tougher ask because they're up against NASCAR, which is the dominant series. Um, but, but it's definitely a problem for their supercars. I, I can't tell you how many times fans ask me what the race formats are for each round, what tyres are in use. It's just not clear. And I think, sadly, the super sprint format has just added to that confusion. And, um, you know, we fans don't know which one's which and what to expect and it's difficult for them to follow and 
anytime you're confusing your audience, then that's not a good thing. That's just, you know, pushing people away from the series. Peter, your take? Um, variety is good, complexity is bad. And where the two overlap is a fine and fuzzy line. I think the current race formats fall into the complexity basket. Mm, well, for complexity... At Townsville uh, two weeks ago, we saw the Dunlop Series having its first ever soft tyre race. You understand why they're doing it? Fitzy's got a bunch of, you know, soft tyres he's got to get rid of, and the Dunlop Series use those tyres. Interestingly enough, was the carnage driver or tyre-related, Adrian? Uh, It it looked like a bit of both because there was so much of it. Yeah, it was an interesting one, I, I think. Dunlop series and street circuits, you know, never go well together really. And then you add on top of that the soft tyre, which hadn't been tested, um, they hadn't practiced or qualified on, and they just chucked them on for Sunday's race. And you know, the drivers felt, you know, a bit more grip, um, bit more sort of confidence. And I think just you know, a bit of red mist came down, and it, it was very chaotic and. The problem there is that's not the sort of environment to groom young drivers and develop young drivers, and some of the driving we saw there was just not good enough. Mm. Peter? Um, I, I agree. It wasn't very good, um, the standard of driving from those Dunlop uh, uh, drivers, unfortunately. Um, it's a, a much weaker category this year, and I think that's a, a product of the economy, the product of certain drivers moving uh, up or out to other categories. Um, it's lost some of the, the interest and, and magic that it had last year. Um, Casey Stoner adds a little bit of interest, but um, you know, it now remains a, a big question of what his level of commitment to that series is going to be. It's not as easy uh, as he might have hoped it would have been. Um, so I think the interesting times ahead for that category. Mm. Well, it's definitely going to be interesting as we move forward to the Queensland round of the championship. It's it's a polarising round which people either love or hate, but I know anyone who lives south of the border is going to enjoy the weather up there. And, Peter, um, we're looking forward to getting up there and seeing what this year's instalment has for us. Um, yes, the, the, yeah, the, getting away from Canberra's cold is always a highlight. Um, let's hope that the, uh, the old paperclip uh, that can be boring at times... Hopefully there's more to look forward to than just nice weather. Is the Super Sprint going to be back in vogue and a lot better racing on a track like Queensland, do you think, Adrian? It's going to be interesting, that double-file rolling restart into that Turn 1 where we've seen in the past um, there can be chaos. Um, That will be interesting. Um, And the sort of thing with Queensland Raceway is it doesn't really... The pecking order doesn't sort itself out until you get to the back straight and the hairpin, so... Um, I think that could be very interesting, that rolling restart. And it'll be interesting to see at a time when VS Supercars is asking fans what they think of the Super Sprint. It'll be interesting to see if a chaotic race sort of helps sort of either condemn it or, you know, helps it sort of cement its place in the series. It's, it's going to be very interesting to see. And um, I think the big question mark is whether Craig Rounds can keep that streak going. I think he's won every race there over the last two years 
He is indeed. Now, uh, that's all we've got time for on the round table. But, Adrian, I should say, uh, when can we get the latest edition of VADX magazine? And do we get it earlier if we go online? Yes, it's, it's available in stores now uh, across Australia and New Zealand um, on the Mag Shop app for iPad, Magster for Android, Windows, Amazon, um, all that. So, yep, it's available in stores now. Um, features the VF Commodore on the cover and um, it's the second of our redesign, so hopefully fans are embracing the changes. Mm, well, it is certainly a spectacular-looking mag, this, this one out. Guys... Thanks very much for your time and uh, look forward to catching up with you both very soon. Thanks, Craig. Cheers, thank you. The White Flag Lap is up next. We speak to Nick Perkad here on the V8 Insiders. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Stay tuned for more. You've taken the V8 to the races. You've watched the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Jonathan Webb from Techno Autosports, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. On this week's White Flag Lap, brought to you by Munro Shock Absorbers, we catch up with Nick Perkhead, who announced this week that he'd be moving from Tony Daly Alberto's team for the season of endurance over to HRT to link up once again with Garth Tander. I had a chance to speak to Nick this week about the change. was uh, originally placed at Tony Alberto Racing, and now I'm uh, back with GT, which, um, you know, both, uh, both cars are very fast, very strong, and... Um, it was just a matter of that I'm contracted to walk into a racing in HRT and have been since 2007 and um, they wanted to put me in a red car and that's, that's what happened and the whole um, TDI crew has been really supportive of it and you know we're still trying to help them find a driver and it's, um, they're part of the team. Obviously they're the, basically run as the fourth car under Walkinshaw Racing so um, yeah, it's, uh, for me it's a good opportunity but you know, I've got to still thank Tony and everyone what, for what they did um, at Townsville giving me laps in the car and all that because it's really only just, just come about in the last few days. Mm. Of course, uh, having driven a, a similar car is important, but this year, was it a strategic move to move you out of the Dunlop Series into Carrera Cup because it's felt that those cars will be better for you for the car of the future? Um, no. Um, to be honest, you know, the Walkinshaw Racing, we weren't going to run a Dunlop Series car. Um, they... Well, we all agreed that, you know, that we need to concentrate on the car of the future and um, having the Dunlop Series cars puts a lot more load on the whole team because, you know, you need a whole other crew. Um, there's all the servicing, the preparation that goes with it, engineers, managers. So to put me in the Carrera Cup, it was to put me in a category where we know the car makes no difference because everyone has the same car on the grid and um, it's all up to the driver. So uh, they put, put me there and, you know, it's worked out really well. Racing against bad, I've learned so much as a driver and, raw pace so um, it's been a good move and there's a few little traits that carry over from Porsche to the new car but you know it's still not a V8 supercar you're still better off being in the Dunlop series I would imagine just because it's that heavy 
under-tired, hard-to-stop kind of car where the Porsche is very light and nimble and, you know, it's on rails. So it's a little bit different, but there is some traits that you can carry over. Takes you back to your open-wheel days then. Oh, yeah, the Porsche is like Formula Ford. It's squirming around. It's um, on a ragged edge, so it's awesome fun to drive, but um, it doesn't have the challenging aspect of you know, how to set up a race car because there's no setup you can really do to them. Looking at the uh, chances you've had to drive the new car, and of course the VF was uh, first driven, I think, by you in the Walkinshaw Performance Camp. How do you enjoy that car to drive? Um, yeah, I was the first one to drive a HRT car of the future back in uh, late last year, around November, and uh, it was really fun to drive then. But how far it's come since that day when I drove Tony's car at Towns was really unbelievable. Um, They've made really good progress with the, the chassis at Walk and Show Racing, and um, I I really enjoyed driving the car. I got out with a big smile on my face, and it was probably one of the most enjoyable V8s I've driven. So um, I can't wait to get back in hmm. GT's car and um, Queensland Raceway. I've had the co-driver session, so it's um, pretty exciting. I really am enjoying driving these cars. And, and of course, uh, you're coming back into the uh, the red team right at the uh, perfect moment. They've found some form. Yeah, you know, um, you know, you don't find, don't just find form under a rock or something. And, you know, you got to work extremely hard at it. And uh, HRT had a good result with the one-two, but it wasn't only HRT; it was the whole walk at Joss Stable. We had had uh, the Mus Russell Engel. He was um, P5, I'm pretty sure, and Tony uh, was sick. So it was a pretty solid day out for the whole camp. And I know how hard they've all been working for four cars, all the engineers, um, trying to get on top of the car and. It was really good to see that they, the whole group had a strong result and it was amazing or awesome that they had a 1-2 in that as well. So um, hopefully they can continue that form. Uh, hopefully it continues on into Enduros and you know we can really exploit the speed the car has. What's it like knowing that you're going to have three cracks at it this year now the Gold Coast is part of the uh, endurance season? Um, oh, it's pretty pretty exciting but Gold Coast track is you know I've never driven a V8 there I've driven Formula Ford and Aussie racing car and it is such a hard track that um, I think it's going to be pretty challenging weekend for me this, um, I'll be coming from Porsche to the V8 all weekend because I've got the Carrera Cup there too and so um, you kind of stay on top of it because you know it's a very challenging track no room for error Gold Coast it's probably nearly less than like a Bathurst because there's literally a wall right against the mirror and if you make a mistake you're in the wall so it's um, it'll be a challenge but you know I can't wait for the challenge I look forward to all those challenges and that's what I enjoy as part of the racing you know it's so hard to get on top and when you have these kind of things thrown at you um, I enjoy you know grabbing the car by the scruff and really having a crack and of course uh, you work with HSV and uh, this week you're up uh, in Queensland and do you travel much around the country doing stuff with the with the uh, manufacturer yeah well um so HSV, they, we do a drive experience program. Uh, Camp McConville runs the days uh, for HSV, and today was our first day of the Gen F. So um, the VF HSV uh, road cars. So we've got you know got a new GTS here, R8, Club Sports, all the all the business, and we you know put people through the cars and you know teach them ABS braking, um, stability control, ESP, ABS, all that. And um, just show them what the cars can do, and you know it's a part of the marketing page of being you know, getting getting people in the cars so they can experience it. Everyone leaves with a smile, and we travel all around the country. We'll do 
we'd go from uh, up here, we'd back down to Sandown, we'd do Malala and Adelaide, Perth um, in a few months' time. So we really give the whole nation a chance to drive these awesome Australian-made cars. And, of course, whilst we're talking about sponsorships, Coates Hire, you've really been able to develop a relationship with them since, what was it, two years ago now at uh, Clipsal when they just came on board for one race? Yeah, well, um, Coates have been a real bit of a lifeline, but it's been a really good story. They came on the week of Clipsal. We, you know, we stickered the car on the Wednesday night before practice one at, in Adelaide. So just to have them on board is is um, really good and the belief they have in me is um, awesome and you know the first uh, year of being together we had the great result of Bathurst so kind of strengthened the relationship pretty quickly and you know, I've got Coates I've got you know, Morris Finance they've been supporting me since the start of it too so it's, um, yeah, it's a really good partnership I got there and good, good companies around me when we hear drivers talking about those sort of relationships, can you explain what you're doing when you're working with Coates Hire? Um, to be honest, it's you know it's a lot of stuff at the track. It's you know they have the car and that's their their main talking point. I guess you know we go goes to branch visits and stuff. You know they have the cars on display. So the last few years it's been the best supercar. Now it's the Porsche. Coming Jury is probably the Porsche and HRT car because they've got some signage on the. HRT cars and basically, you know, I did corporate visits and some safety videos that play in the in the branches and just stuff like that. It um, they used to kind of help their team who you know who are running the branches all around the country and to um, get a bit more exposure and try and build their build their brand and yeah, they get a good a good relationship with me and it works well. Well, we wish you all the best for the endurance races coming up, but first of all, uh, get into the car at QR and give it a bit of a fame. Yeah, I can't wait. It should be good. That's all we have time for this week on the V8 Insiders. My thanks to Nick Perkat there, along with Peter Norton and Adrian Mussolino as the Checker Flag waves over another edition. Till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.